Hello, Elf friends. Welcome to another episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and this episode is a very special one. It's our very first fan feedback episode, and hopefully the first of many. Uh, The topic of discussion for this episode is what are your thoughts, theories, speculations, rants, raves, likes and dislikes, and general feelings about the final quest so far. So that would be the first five issues uh, plus the special. So we received a number of responses from you. Some of you directly responded to the discussion topic, and others just wanted to call and leave a message to say hi and discuss their love of ElfQuest. So without further ado, let's get started, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Alexis, um, tirely on Facebook. Um, please excuse my voice. Um, I've had a cold. Um, I'm getting over, so I sound a little raspy crazy. Um, calling in to the voicemail. Yay! Um, first off, I just want to say, Elf Pop, sending you healing thoughts. Get better soon. And uh, I went to the Comic-Con this past Saturday. Um, it was a con. It was very crowded. Um, it was, um, you know, very mainstream, I guess, now. Um, tons of people, tons of vendors. It was okay. Um, I have just some very loose points um, that I kind of jotted down um, in regards to ElfQuest. I've been reading ElfQuest since I was about 13. Um, if anybody's seen um, AMC comic book then um i geeked out about elf quest <laughs> um i was there for about 45 minutes but they cut a lot of it out but again it was just me geeking about what i love elf quest um i started reading elf quest when i was 13 a friend of mine gave it uh, i believe i started with volume two um which he gave me so i i kind of started in the middle but then i just you know, begged him and begged him for the rest of his graphic novels. So he gave me all of them. So I went back to one and then finished the rest. Um, <clears throat> first, I just have to say as an African-American woman, when I first saw Lita, she's a dark-skinned, gorgeous, independent elf. It just blew my mind. Um, the colors, the story, how strong they were as a tribe. Um, and then when Lita and Cutter had Ember and Suntop, again, it was just that sense of family and, and I'll do anything pretty much to protect what's mine. Um, ElfQuest had a lot to do with my cosplay. Um, Lita um, was the first costume actually I ever made um, for Halloween. <laughs> so um, also when you read ElfQuest, you know, no matter what you're going through or, you know, it just takes you to this whole other world and it just makes you feel so, so much better. Um, I, I think I think that's about it. Oh, no, I wanted to also talk about Ember denying recognition. I mean, that kind of was just, that kind of blew my mind too because, you know, through all the years of reading ElfQuest, um, you don't really see that. You don't really see an elf denying something that strong and the fact that Ember did it, you know, to save her, you know, the love of her life, it's, that kind of, again, blew my mind. And, and it's just, the teenies are always surprising you and always throwing these things at you. And you just, you just can't wait to find out more and more and more. And I just really hope it never ends because it's just amazing. Um, hopefully, you know, by the time, you know, Tear and Ember's recognition is, hopefully fulfilled, will continue ElfQuest, you know, with their children and then it just hopefully keeps going and keeps going. 
anyways, you know, that's all I want to say. I love ElfQuest, and um, yay. Bye. <laughs> Hello. Um, let's see how this goes. Hi, it's Ravian from the north of England in the UK. Ray, the tree shaper from the forums, on the ElfQuest forums, if I, when I can get on them. I absolutely love both ElfQuest and uh, the ElfQuest show on the podcast. And I can't thank uh, Mandy Roncalio Mayer, I think I've uh, pronounced it right, enough for getting me so hooked on uh, ElfQuest. Well, thank you also to Wendy and Richard Pinney and all you, uh, uh, oh, well, sorry, all you at ElfQuest and the show. It's brought a different uh, meaning to the way I see things and talk. Talk to people about it. And also the great cosplay by Rob and Heather, who I can't, really can't pronounce the surname. Um, I'm stuttering a lot. Sorry for the bad English uh, voice. I just hope you can get this. Um, can't wait to hear everybody else's voice. Um, Voices and uh, Shane Sweetwater. Uh, Greetings to all the ElfQuest podcast listeners out there. I'm Rowan Glintsong, and I uh, roleplay an elf in a live-action role-playing society known as Amp Garden in the uh, Dallas, Texas area. And I'm here to talk about the final quest issues, uh, issues uh, one through five. What are my thoughts on it so far? Well, so far I've uh, really enjoyed this. I'm going to go through the issues real uh, real quick here. The first issue, for me, kind of sets the uh, sets the background. Now, I didn't see the, um, the Final Quest special or the stuff online before I read this. And being that, um, you know, there was, there was a couple of things that I just kind of had to pick up as I went. The issue is, um, it's uh, really dark and grim. You know, it... Uh, very quickly establishes a bad guy, and a bad guy that's uh, willing to go at great lengths to, you know, really hurt and maim and kill. So, bad guy established. That's issue one. Now, I say that because all the other issues for me had a moment that was substantial. A moment where I was like, yeah, or, you know, really got me. Uh, issue two, by far, has been probably the one that uh, gave it a a large amount of of gotcha moments. Uh, it was really great seeing Krim and our human friend charging into battle, and when she goes sliding under the dun, and um, <laughs> and does what he does, man. I was I was looking at that. I was like, oh my gosh, no, she didn't. <laughs> I was amazing. Um, yeah, that that happens, and then. Uh, of course, their dying moments underneath the wagon, you know, Krim and our human friend, um, <laughs> as they're laughing in their last breaths. That was um, that was cool. I was almost hoping that that really wasn't the end of them, but it was. And Krim was uh, she was pretty attractive. And then, of course, uh, they have their recognition moment as soon as uh, Krim dies. And ah, come on, elves, you know, hold off everybody else. Let them have their moment, and you know. Who says they can't have a, a quick fling in the middle of battle? But oh well, they couldn't. Ah, Mender. Wow. Mender's glowing eyes and and everything. Is <laughs> he kind of comes across as um, 
you know, for those who are in the labyrinth, he uh, kind of comes across as a Jareth type to me at to that point. You know, he's just kind of, wow, really enjoying his maiming with his healing powers. Pretty cool. I'd like to see more of that. And then that episode goes on, and um, let's see, was there any more to that? Yeah, that was that was a great issue. And then we got issue three, and uh, let's see, what did I really enjoy about issue three? Is I'm just basically thumbing through it. You know, Tears Powers. Um, yeah, I've heard the commentary on the Elf podcast about Tears Powers and what they involve, and I gotta admit, it was kind of chilling to me. I just can't imagine the whole concept of, you know, sacrificing yourself. And it's not so much for the greater good, it's, you know, what's... Yeah, it's true, there's a greater good, but if there's a greater good, then why do they have to die? You know, why, why can't there be other means to do it? I, I really don't understand a frog thinking, oh, you know, if somebody says, well, can you feed the children? I'm like, well, yeah, I'll catch you something, but I'm not going to die. Um, that was pretty much it, you know, because in this issue we see two uses of Tears' powers. And um, also very grisly to me is, <laughs> you know, these deers come up and they offer transportation. And some allow themselves to be ripped to shred by wolves while the other deers are watching. And it's like, okay, and this is the greater good, how? Yeah, um, interesting concept. I, I really it got me thinking, but yeah. Oh, and then of course towards the end when um, the Dunn fires off the uh, gun. You know, um, I remember the scene from um, King Kong movie, and there was this um, native on this island, and um, they pulled out a gun, and the native just looks at him like, what's that, you know? And they actually have to fire at him like two or three times before the guy's realizing, hey, wait a minute, that hurts, you know? And, uh, Kind of the same thing here. She pulled, you know, uh, Dunn pulls out the gun. Ember kind of sees the uh, guns, like, and. And then, of course, the gun fires, like, oh, okay, gun does bad things. Very interesting thing. Because I think a lot of us, you know, when it comes to guns, we have that fear kind of ingrained into us. Fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, issue four. Um, oh, what's really interesting about issue three was on the ElfQuest uh, Facebook page. I actually talked about how uh, humans had suddenly developed this um, the ability for musket pistols. Yeah, I mean, completely jumping over the arquebus stage of uh, you know firearms. And I actually uh, theorized that trolls had to be involved. And of course, you know, issue four, we find out, yeah, two edge. What do you know? Um, of course, it goes on. And um, let's see, what was the what was the gotcha moment in uh, four for me? Aside from seeing um, Kavi there towards the end. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, I love the moment when, um, you know, she pulled that power. Of course, you know, Tyr, gotta agree, man, he's being a little bit whiny. You know, don't leave me, you know, and all that. And, of course, she gets the power to um, break off the recognition. That was, a, that was a powerful moment. You know, one of those great moments in ElfQuest where you learn that you can be more than your carnal nature if you so choose. And then finally, of course, the great rescue on, you know, issue five. And of course, RA from issues one to five, we kind of have a complete story. And as it's been mentioned in the podcast, a very short amount of time, really, about a day, if even that. I mean, a lot has happened. And, um, of course, you know, I just 
absolutely loved how uh, Kavi, you know, goads Tear into survival. <laughs> you know, he's like, why you if you are already dead? I love that. <laughs> yep, and of course, you know, um, we got Winkin flying in to save the day twice, you know, in both cases. And of course, you know, the great rescue. It's neat how after all these years of questing and everything that they had accumulated, this was kind of like the great culmination, you know. All the, you know, Cutter wanted to um, build up his tribe and able to be able to fight the humans. And essentially that's what he's done. He's, you know, got the palace, he's got the ability, they've got their pool of magic and, and all their skills and abilities. And that allowed them to save one of their own when they had to. So, you know, that lifelong quest of Cutter's has really paid off. Um... And that's pretty much it where we're at right now, and where do I think this is going? Um, well, we really haven't seen very much in the way of the Blue Mountain Elves as of late. You know, Ari and, um, of course, uh, Egg and um, all the other ones. And who knows, maybe others have possibly survived. Um, so, you know, of course it's a long shot, but uh, I almost hope that in a way we uh, might see some kind of hidden Blue Mountain rebuild uh, rebuild a kingdom up there or something. So I think that would be really fascinating. I'm sure it's something along those lines. But uh, really enjoying the podcast, and I really look forward to hearing what other uh, you know ElfQuest podcast listeners have to say as well. So um, with that, to everybody, shade and sweet water. Hi, my name's Shelley. I also go by Sadakbia on the ElfQuest forums and Amethyst Sadakbia on DeviantArt. I have a uh, random question about something in the final quest special. Um, f- after having like normal ears throughout the discovery, uh, we notice on, I noticed on page I think nineteen it is of the final quest special that Krill suddenly has um, shaped ears just like her sisters, and I'm guessing she must have had them done like off camera or something. But there was just no explanation given. I was just a little curious about that. It's no big deal, but just something I noticed. I'm wondering how many other fans noticed. Thanks. Hello, uh, this is Ingvar Fredling, uh, sometimes posting as raving, and uh, hi Ryan, and hello David, it was very nice to meet you in New York, along with uh, Rob, Heather, Tavi, and the Peenies themselves, of course. Well, uh, one thing I have uh, thought about in this uh, ElfQuest series is how much suddenly the spirits of the dead have come to play a role in the story. Originally, of course, I wasn't sure if there was supposed to be life after death at all. Cutter being sick, saw first rain and then his parents but he was was sick at the time and uh, when they were attacked by trolls in the frozen mountains he had an argument about the quest with his father Bearclaw but uh, again he was near death at the time and it could have been just his own conscience he was talking to, not the real bear claw. Of course, soon after that, we got uh, to learn more about the reality of it all. Still, uh, 
the dead have stayed dead, of course, and they haven't really interfered with the living before, except uh, the rogue's curse storyline, which may or may not now uh, turn out to have taken place sometime in the future. I'm not sure about that. Now, the dead appear and have conversations with the living elves and take active part in the rescue of Ember. I'm starting to wonder with the spirits of the dead being that important now, does it take it away some of the tragedy of death? Uh, that's one thing I've been wondering about. And, uh, of course, now there's Andrew John even talking to the uh, recently murdered Arden Jarum. Do the humans have immortal souls as well? You mentioned that in your podcast. And again, I am wondering if it was what I thought it was at first maybe when uh, Cutter was talking to Bearclaw and he is really talking to himself. Again, if you look at the Rhodes Curse storyline, there were more significant mentions of human spirits there. Uh, Winnowill was... Uh, starting to go after human as well as elfin spirits. Well, again, I am wondering if, well, first of all, whether that was canonical or <laughs> not, but uh, also uh, how different we're supposed to imagine. Do the humans have immortal souls or not? I don't know, but... I've also been thinking about one of the main things I'm interested in in the ElfQuest storyline is sort of the meetings between various cultures, whether it's uh, the elves and the humans or different tribes of elves, or even uh, now we have noticed a clash between different human cultures. Uh, of course, now the Angrifjan has uh, completely wiped out uh, apparently the Longrider tribe. And uh, but as far as as far as the elves are concerned, one thing I noticed was Ember originally uh, asked not for any big magical rescue. I was thinking. Uh, she didn't want maybe the elves to have this big, spectacular, magical appearance in front of the humans. She never went back on that. She said not to rescue her, and they only went, were only supposed to go and rescue Tyr and uh, the rest. But then, of course, they went and rescued her anyway, and she never told them to do that. I'm wondering if there will be repercussions from that. Now, they appeared in this big uh, palace pod in the sky above the humans, 
nothing they can do, nothing the humans can do at all. The bullet going plink, as you say, and uh, I almost feel that if the elves had gone on to say to the humans that you should bow before us, they would all have bowed down and said amen. It has sort of uh, shifted uh, the power balance where as up until now the humans sort of had had the upper hand uh, through sheer numbers. But uh, I I really wonder what's going to uh, come out of that. I don't think it will uh, uh, be forgotten. It will have uh, some consequences. I don't know what they will be. And uh, of course there's also the few remaining of the long rider tribes except for the kids with uh, Ember's tribe now uh, are all slaves at Andrew Johns. And uh, well, is that going to stay the state of affairs? Those are mainly the things that uh, stayed on my mind now. You have a nice podcast, and I am uh, looking forward to the next. This is my response to the new uh, fan base submissions for the ElfQuest show. Uh, my name is Mara Shanzel. Um, I'm on Facebook, as, my, as the name stated. I also have a... Um, uh, forum signature as Janice Magier on the ElfQuest forums. I don't post there as often, but that's the uh, that's the voice to the name. I'm uh, calling in to uh, give my uh, thoughts and uh, theories and speculations as requested. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that I've been a fan for ElfQuest for about 20 years, so um, I've been following it very intently ever since I was about 13 years old. Um, mainly uh, what uh, interests me with ElfQuest um is uh, I, I do like the dynamic of how the elves survive. I like the wolf riders in particular. I love the way they communicate through honesty and through sending. And, of course, who doesn't like the elven sensuality aspect? <clears throat> but uh, to be a, bit, a little bit more uh, specific, um, I've been really pleased so far with the induction of ElfQuest. I feel that over the years, um, I've been exposed to all that ElfQuest has had to offer with their stories, and I feel that only Rendy and Richard can really evoke the spirit of the world of Abode. Um, yeah, there's been some helpers along the way. Um, Brandon McKinney, Sonny Strait, of course, with his coloring, and uh, Jonah Naklandis. And, um, but on that note, I mean, the heart and soul will always belong to Wendy and Richard for me. It's a great feeling to know that... Uh, we're all going to get some closure with the original with the original story that's been laid out so far, and uh, we're experiencing nothing short of a smorgasbord with all the uh, old questions answered and the new questions asked. And um, there's a lot of cere- cerebral and uh, visceral experiences um, that we're experiencing now with the with how the final quest is being laid out with all these characters that we've known and loved for the past 35 years or so. Um, I think, though, um, the biggest focus for me, uh, believe it or not, with everything going on, is just what's going on with, with Moonshade and, and Strongbow. Um, this this is hitting me the hardest out of everything that's happening. 
um, I consider them the epitome of what it means to be wolf riders. And their relationship is, for me, a litmus test in regards to the future of the wolf riders in general. Their partnership is similar to uh, Tree Stubb and Clearbrook, uh, for they're all elders. And in a way, they've taken on a role of surrogate parents. So it's interesting to see how it all pans out, um, or how, how it's been panning out. Um, going back to uh, the, the relationship aspect um, with uh, Strongbow and Moonshade and uh, Tree Stubb and Clearbrook, it's, it's a great uh, juxtaposition to compare how relationships can either work or, or dissolve. I remember one instance back in uh, Searcher and the Sword where uh, Clearbrook was... Um, she stood fast by Tree Stump and his wishes to produce bright metal for smithing. And even though it meant sleeping underground away and being away from the wolf pack, she was there with him because she, uh, she believed in his values. And um, here we have Moonshade, who was at one time uh, very steadfast with Strongbow's values. But since the untimely death of uh, Rufal, they, they've been called into question. Uh, she's very intent that uh, the element of danger within the wolf riders is simply no longer needed. While Strongbow is still in that position of, um, more or less, it's the character behind the tribe uh, and, uh, and uh, essential for their survival. I cannot help but feel, you know, this is my speculation, that uh, Moonshade's wanting for something more will be, uh, ironically, her own demise. I'm pretty poor getting specific speculations as far as looking so far into the future, but um, the way that the story is flowing has me all ready for her death. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, but the other speculation that I have that's just more for fun uh, is that somehow Corifei is linked to Jink. Uh, there's so much feeling of magic about her, and with uh, the palace already changing all of the magical elements within the elves that are near them, uh, that's going to be, uh, it seems like uh, the, the brickwork is being laid for um, her magic ability to also be expanded on. And since she's already a wave dancer and a floater, um, which is pretty rare, it seems to me that it can just be taken other ways too. So we'll see how that goes off. Um, as of now, um, that's all I have. I'm going to continue to enjoy the upcoming installments with, uh, with great relish. Um, I'm just not going to think too far ahead on things. I, I do take it as it comes because uh, I've grown to take the, the now approach in such matters. So if uh, ElfQuest has taught me anything. Uh, thanks for including me in this installment of uh, the fan feedback episode. And um, I'll call in again if you guys like me. Thanks. Hi, this is Rumpy. One of the things I found most interesting about the new stories, the clues we've gotten about how the palace works. ElfQuest's always had a very elegant balance between fantasy and science fiction, and this aspect seems to be right at the heart of that, an exemplar of Arthur C. Clarke's maxim that sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. While the palace seems to be a kind of spiritual Wi-Fi hub for elf souls, the field is finite, just as inverse square law would have it. Thinking about this sort of thing is way above my grade, but when you start to think of the palace not merely as a home for spirits, but the medium they exist in, then it gets interesting. What do you guys think about the elves' relationship to the palace, especially the hints we've been given about a possible conflict with the Wolf Rider's nature? 
Hi everyone, this is Amanda J. Roncalio-Meyer. Um, I live in Cave Junction, Oregon. And I love it out here, I live in the woods. Perfect place for an ElfQuest fan. Uh, first off, I, I want to say that David, you and Ryan absolutely rock. Um, I think the ElfQuest show is fantastic. I think it's so fun to listen to. Um, as I said, I live in Oregon up in the woods and I don't have very many other ElfQuest fans around me, so... It's really kind of cool to be able to listen in on the show and hear other people's opinions and what you guys are thinking of the show. So I really, I've re been really appreciative of it. Um, so thank you to both Ryan and David for starting this. It's an absolutely awesome idea. Uh, of course, of course, huge, huge thank you to Wendy and Richard. I mean, we wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for them. So. Thank you, Wendy and Richard, Elf Mom, Elf Pop, so much for ElfQuest and all the things that you have done throughout the years for all your fans. Your love that you show us is absolutely amazing. I mean, I got to meet you guys in person um, last November at Convolution. I was Moonshade! Hi, remember me? Uh, <laughs> and that was just awesome. You guys were so fun to meet, to chat with. You... It felt more like meeting old friends than meeting somebody that I've kind of looked up to my whole life. So, for anybody who ever uh, has wanted to meet the Peenies, it's amazing. Like, I really hope that every single one of the Hardcore ElfQuest fans get a chance to meet them at some point. And it's 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 so much fun. It's amazing. It's really awesome. Um, well, uh, I really hope that you guys do continue the ElfQuest show. I think it's as I said, really awesome to listen to. Uh, really gets an outlet for us fans that are kind of isolated. Um, yeah, I think it's great. So keep it, uh, keep up the great work, guys. I'm going to be listening to every episode. I listen to them as soon as possible. I'm, uh, uh, I listen to them on iTunes, so I get them, like, as soon as possible, so it's awesome. I can listen to them quickly. Um, I'm kind of starting to babble on, so I guess that's about it. I think I've said just about all I want to say. Um, special little hiya to Ravian, because I know she wants me to say hi to her. Hi, Ray! Uh, my ElfQuest pen pal. We have a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun uh, sending stuff back and forth. Um, got a big package ready for you, Ray. <laughs> Lots of ElfQuest goodies. Anyway, thanks again, everybody. Elf Mom, Elf Pop, Ryan, David, you guys all are awesome and rocking, and keep up the freaking awesome work with the ElfQuest show. Much love, luck, and peace to everybody, and I can't wait to hear everybody else's voices. Anxious to hear everybody I haven't heard before. Uh, alright, shade and sweet water to all my fellow and fellow fans out there. That was bad, I know, but oh well. Bye! Hey, this is the Grib Schnobbler, host of the Gribcast. And, um, uh, I might not be able to provide as much feedback as I would like, because un unfortunately, um... Uh, things have been kind of crazy, uh, in my life lately, and, uh, <laughs> um, I've only had, and my internet went out recently, um, while I was listening to the first episode of your show, and I only just got to finish listening to your first episode, but it's really good, and, um, while I do have internet at my current location, uh, I am downloading all the rest of the episodes so I can get them on my phone and, and listen to them with, without an internet connection later, uh, and enjoy them. Also, I've only read the first uh, two issues and the the prologue um, issue of the final quest, so I haven't had 
you know, I have to catch up with the other uh with the other issues in order to listen to all of your episodes. But I am really enjoying the final quest so far and and um feel, you know, pretty special that I get to experience it as it's coming out. Uh, I do I will talk a little bit about uh when I my discovery of elf quest it was interesting because uh i have a vague memory of seeing an elf quest comic at someone's house when i was a kid and it's a vague memory uh and i remember seeing the cover of it and thinking it looked really pretty and mysterious and ooh <laughs> and um uh i did never heard anything about it until uh years later in fact i completely forgot about it until uh, one day i was in college and i came across um, an old edition, um, it's a colorized edition of the, of the, the first volume of ElfQuest, uh, basically, uh, I think, what amount, it basically, it's the portion of the story, their initial escape from the forest, and their journey through the desert to find the sun dwellers, and all of, it's that, just that first chunk of story, and I remember seeing the cover in the bookstore, in the used bookstore, and being like, wait a second, that's the comic that I saw when I was a kid. Um, I never actually got to read it when I was a kid, though, but, uh, you know, the book was well-priced, so I thought I'd pick it up, and interestingly, I wasn't, uh, o you know, uh, overwhelmingly impressed with it at first. I read it, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good, you know, it was nice. Um, liked the artwork, and, and um, you know, and I liked the characters, but I, I wasn't bowled over by it, but then uh, a really great comic book store opened up, uh, and this is when I was uh, in college, going to the College of Charleston, um, here in South Carolina, where I am. And they had all the Marvel reprints um, of ElfQuest. So I started uh, collecting them. And the more I read of them, the, the, the better and better it got. And the more and more I liked it. And, you know, and uh, until, um, you know, until I was obsessed. Now it's, you know, it, but by the time I think I got to, uh, uh, by the time I finished Kings of the Broken Wheel, I, I was like, this is my favorite comic, comic book ever. Like, I just, I loved it. Um, and I've been reading it since, and I've been keeping up with uh, with new releases when they have come out with them, <clears throat> and I will continue to do so, uh, and uh, I'll continue to listen to your podcast, too. I really enjoyed the first episode, uh, the, the great conversation, great commentary on on issue number two, and uh, I will say that I, I, I'm, uh, even though I'm really looking forward to hearing everything uh, y'all have to say about the, the new comics. I am hoping that eventually you'll, you'll go back and explore a lot of the, uh, a lot of the older, uh, comics as well in the series. I would really love to hear, um, hear what everyone has to say about Kings of the Broken Wheel, which is so far my favorite, easily my favorite ElfQuest story that I've read. And, uh, I've, I've read every, just pretty, I think just pretty much everything that Wendy Peeney has, uh, uh, directly been involved with. I still have a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the nineties comics from, from other, from other, uh, people that I haven't read through yet. Although, uh, I, when I'm not in grad school and have more free time, that's definitely one of the things I plan on doing is, is working my way uh, through those. So thanks for the first episode. Thank you for the episodes I get to listen to soon. And I'm really happy that there's an ElfQuest podcast that, that is out there that I'll get to keep listening to. And uh, shameless plug, if anyone wants to hear the Gribcast, I talk about pretty much whatever I want to, mostly movies, music, and books, and geeky things. And uh, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, or you can go to Gribcast.com. 
www.libsyn.com. Uh, I plan on having at least one episode of my podcast uh, ded- dedicated to ElfQuest at some point, although I do not know when. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Thanks again. David and Ryan, Heather here, longtime listener, first-time caller. First off, thanks for starting the ElfQuest show. It's so great to hear from other fans getting excited about ElfQuest. We are legion, guys. I've read ElfQuest since I was eight, but it all started with issue one of the Marvel Comics epic reprint. I can spend a lot of time on saying how EQ shaped my childhood and has been a huge part of my life for decades, but that's not what the show is about. What I will say, though, is when I started reading ElfQuest in 1985, I haven't stopped since. And outside of my family, ElfQuest is my longest relationship. All right, the final quest. It has me stoked. When I heard it was beginning, I about jumped out of my skin. Not only was there going to be more EQ, done by Dream Team Wendy and Richard, and colored, of course, by the amazing Sunny Strait, but also we were going to get the, quote, rest of the story. While I know we need to fasten our seatbelts for this bumpy ride, I am so ready to enjoy each moment, and I know I'm going to. Each tear that I shed, not to be confused with Ember's tear, these are the salty kind of, Oh, wait, no, never mind. Just, you know what I mean. But I trust Wendy and Richard totally. I know they're going to weave an amazing tale and be true to their story. I also know the quest isn't ending. This is just the story of the Royal Three being put up in rap stuff. And I'm so for that. I'm looking forward to every moment. Now on to like hypotheses, what we think could be happening. I've got so many swirling around in my head right now that I can't put it all in three to ten minutes. So instead I'm going to focus on one, my lodestone hypothesis. This has also been posted on the ElfQuest forums, so you can join the discussion there. ElfQuest.com, go to the forums, guys. We have seen the lodestone from the beginning. From the moment Skywise encountered it, he was drawn to it. He knew it was something special. He learns very quickly from Picnos that it's old and came from the sky. While crossing the desert, Skywise starts to figure out its powers and explains to Cutter there's nothing evil in the stars or anything that comes from them. Okay, these lines right there are a big hint to us in the story. As we find out by the end of the original quest, the elves are from the stars. So maybe the lodestone is a piece of the home store. This is my hypothesis. The High Ones took a piece of their dying planet into the palace with them. The Trolls, when fleeing to the underground, maybe they grabbed it and took it with them. Or perhaps they took it during a raid of the palace before leaving for the caverns under the Father Tree Holt. The simple decision that Cutter made to chip off a piece of the Lodestone from Skywise for Skywise so long ago is, may play a bigger part now in the end of the quest. It's also important that I note that when Cutter and Skywise return to the troll caverns in the original quest, the lodestone is missing from the throne chamber, and we see it later on with Guttlecraw in the Frozen Mountains. There's also a lot of places throughout the ElfQuest stories where one point Skywise even says he will walk on the planet where the lodestone came from. I can obviously be totally wrong about this hypothesis. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Sometimes a lodestone is just a lodestone. But hey, in time we will see. And until then, I'm just going to have so much fun guessing and having this story told to me. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next time. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks to everyone who left us a message. 
Please let us know if you like this episode, and if we get a positive response, we'll do our best to produce more fan feedback episodes. And you can even tell us what you'd like the discussion topic to be for next time. The music you heard throughout this episode was a track called Call of the Ancients from the album Eternal Saga by Anti Martikainen. And that track, plus thousands of others, are available royalty-free for your multimedia projects from jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Till next time, Shade and Sweetwater. <laughs>